W233AH Monticello. Good evening and welcome to the local edition. News and information keeping you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm Jason Dolp. And tonight we continue with our look back at 2023 as we wind down the year here. We're talking to all of our news partners to get a recap on the year that was. And absolutely one of the biggest stories of the past year, something that we spent some time reporting on here on the local edition and on Radio Catskill during this year, is the housing issue. Getting harder to find places for people to stay for a number of reasons. And for our year-end wrap-up, or year-end review with The River Reporter... We have Ruby Rayner, who wants to focus specifically on stories from this year that told the story of where we are at with housing. And it's a good one because as we look forward to 2024, it's going to continue to be an issue to help us go over all of this right now. From the River Reporter, Ruby Rayner joining us on the phone. Ruby, thank you for being here. Thanks, Jason. Couldn't have said it better myself. So, yeah, you know, and I actually just recently went went to a meeting, uh, a, a meeting with a number of people from, you know, like the, the Partnership for Economic Development in Sullivan County, uh, the IDA in Sullivan County, uh, they had uh, Wendy Brown from Planning in Sullivan County, and everybody mentioned housing. Even and even if like for the partnerships, as usually we don't discuss uh, housing because it's not really our lane. But this is an issue as we we had this meeting talking about what's coming up for the year ahead. Housing came up in everybody's presentation at some point, whether they talked about it a little, talked about it a lot. So, what story do you think you want to start with to, to start telling this tale of where we are at with housing on both sides of the river in our listening area? Yeah, I think similar to what you're describing, we at the River Reporter throughout 2023 experienced the same thing. Every time we were covering a story or speaking with an individual in, you know, business or government or any of these, you know, different places, housing just kept coming up as um, a really integral issue that a lot of people are dealing with on both sides of the river in Pennsylvania and in New York, Wayne, Pike, and Sullivan County. So I think similarly, as we're looking back towards our coverage over the year, we are taking note of that and making sure we are summarizing and um, taking out all the important parts of that to move forward through 2024 because it's going to continue to be at the forefront of our coverage. So do you want to start with increasing rents or increasing evictions? Yeah, I think the best place to understand all of the different factors that are contributing to the housing crisis that we're seeing is probably starting with um, increasing rents. So across the board, we have seen in both Pennsylvania and in New York specifically in Pike and Wayne County and Sullivan County increases to the cost of rent. Um, just to give some like top line context, um, nearly three in four New Yorkers believe housing affordability is a major problem. Um, and that was according to a statewide survey by the Rural Housing Coalition of New York. 
Um, and this is also both rural and in cities. So this is across the country. It's not specific here, but it's definitely um, shown some worser parts of the housing that are being experienced in Sullivan County, like uh, higher rates of evic- eviction. Um, and in just moving over to try to give a little bit of context for Pennsylvania, um, a quote here from Tim, who is a Tim Meager, who's a Honesdale-based real estate broker. He said, "Quote: Since COVID, our residential home prices increased anywhere from 25 to 40 percent, just from the demand of buyers who came from the metro area." End quote. So he's basically describing this increase of people that started before and and continued during COVID um, of people who have moved from. New York, um, larger places in New Jersey and Philadelphia to these more rural counties that we're focusing on. It's kind of like that's like the other side of the coin of the positive side of the economic story over the past five years in our region is this influx of people. It used to, there's still a season, there's still seasonal fluxes in the business that's done here. We still rely on the summer season. Uh, but over the last, I would say, you know, 10 to 20 years has been more and more people staying longer in what they call the shoulder seasons, more people staying year round. And then the pandemic accelerated that greatly. And all of a sudden there's, there's more of a population here, which means for business, there's more business being done. There's more goods and services being purchased. Uh, and that's good for the economy. Uh, but, where are people going to live, especially if the that's a major jump in uh, rent prices? Right, exactly. Like it definitely crosses over into the commercial sector. Like the people who are purchasing these residential properties also wanting to start a business or to shop in these businesses. So you see that the positive in that way. Um, but again, there's also people who are working um, in these businesses and working who are being priced out. So the coin definitely has two sides. Um, and one one of the reasons um, in Pike County specifically, um, there's permits for single family housing is definitely um, given more of a prior or issued. There's just more issued than permits for multi-unit developments. So you see a lopsided kind of housing market in which rental housing is not only just very limited, but it's also unaffordable because there's not a lot of options in the in Pike County specifically for these multi-unit developments because they just aren't being built. As I look back on 2023, thinking about the some of the interviews that, that we've done here, uh, there was one during one of our fund drives where we had, I had multiple realtors uh, live on air with us talking about this. And what the two things that struck me were that that this is this is good for them that that in terms of a real estate business they've been doing big business they're like it's hot it's a hot market there's a lot going on but they all were very open about like the the problems that this is causing for people in terms of the increase in in prices and rental prices affecting the entire market so that was interesting to me one that that they are very aware of of the difficulties that this uh creates and they're very open to talking about it. but the other thing that struck me is they also didn't really have much of an idea of, of what to do it it seems like part of the story this year was just people being aware of the issue let alone starting to tackle it yeah definitely a couple a couple of points there to what you said um 
housing like plans show that there's an $800 gap between the amount a rent developer would have to charge to break even and the amount of rent that a median household in Sullivan County can afford. So exactly that point you're saying of, of these realtors, there's a significant gap there in what someone can afford and what someone who is conducting business needs to charge in order to make money as a developer. Um, And to your second point about there needing to kind of be some action and what's going to happen in order to ease and solve this problem because it's affecting so many people. Um, There are, there have been, I think, like you're saying now that people are, are aware that this is really um, growing as an issue, I think especially coupled with um, inflation, there's the result of that has been just an added stressor onto the market that's already feeling, um, to people who are already feeling priced out. But I think another aspect that's another contributing factor would be um, the increase also of short-term rentals in the area. So not um, someone who's renting um, or has a year lease, but somebody who is coming for just a week or is using Airbnb or Zillow or something like that. Those, again, it's just people can make a lot larger of a profit on using, you know, renting their space out for Airbnb rather than, um, at an affordable rate for somebody in the area. So it's another instance where there's another push um, in the other direction where people not aren't necessarily able to it, – it's taking away from the available housing. Yeah, it's taking away um, from the available housing, which – it in the other direction. You know, yeah, and that increases scarcity, which in, in turn increases the price – uh, the prices. So that's exacerbating. It's like these are separate prongs of the same problem. They all influence each other. Can you get into some specific uh, stories from this year that highlight this issue with short-term rental increases? Yeah, definitely. So one instance is in Highland. There have been a lot of applications for short-term rentals that have been approved. And there have been instances where people were saying that this is their only way, like they lived here for all their life and they now don't live in Highland, but they really want to keep their house. And the only way that they're able to like afford to do that is to do it through um, Airbnb. And of course, there's there's other people who are saying uh, this is going to change also the not only just like the housing, but the community um, of having new people every week or, or once a month rather than knowing your, your neighbors. So that was definitely, there's one instance there. Bethel as well um, has seen a lot of short-term rentals that have increased and definitely have affected the availability of um, long-term rentals in the area. And as in, in places like Bethel, people are trying to respond to this, right? Or is, has there been uh increased regulation or just talk of that? Yeah, there has been talk of of increased regulation. And I think in both places, there's instances where the board, the town boards have uh, vowed to, you know, there's a tax on, on that they would pay annually 
for having a short-term rental. There's the onus on the short-term rental owner to enforce rules and regulations of the specific towns. But there isn't, hasn't been um, anything large sweeping. And and neither of those things sound like uh, anything uh, really sufficient to address the other issue, which is a cr- the pressure that this is causing on the market and the impact that it's having on potential renters or homeowners downstream. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think there has been, in in terms of recently, there's also in, in Sullivan County specifically, there's been a huge increase in evictions. Um, and New York State recently added some protections for tenants. And on the Pennsylvania side, you know, we've heard of some people just in terms of the commercial business who were really surprised to hear that their fellow business owners didn't know about property owners, uh, like like what they owe to their renters and renters' rights. So I think education, too, of what you're entitled to as a tenant um, and renters' rights is definitely an avenue that would improve just having an education about what your rights are as a, as a tenant um, in, in cases like these where there are instances of attempted eviction. Um, and that's the other, that's the other thing. There's also different, there's a lot of new owners of these buildings and stuff like that. So just knowing your rights is really important. Yeah, and that's something that we heard on reporting uh, that we did earlier this year, um, uh, especially on evictions. I think we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, let's really dive into the uh, the eviction side of this, which is another prong of this issue. We're talking about one of the biggest stories for our region of 2023 for our year-end wrap-up with the River Reporter. When we come back, more discussion about the housing issue. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Radio Catskill supporters include the Sterling Business and Technology Park, located at Exit 17 on Interstate 84 in Northeast Pennsylvania offering opportunities to locate or expand businesses on property zoned for manufacturing and other uses. More information at sterlingbusinesspark.com. And listeners like you, who donate at wjffradio.org. Hi, it's Daryl Brogdon here with the Underground Martini Bunker, home of the Retro Cocktail Hour. I hope you'll join us every week for classic tiki tunes, TV crime, jazz, swinging soundtracks, and more. You're the designated driver on the highway of cool at the Retro Cocktail Hour. We're on the air every week on Radio Catskill. Wednesday night at 7 on Radio Catskill. Yeah, and that's something that we heard on reporting uh, that we did earlier this year, um, uh, especially on evictions. I think we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, let's really dive into the uh, the eviction side of this, which is another prong of this issue. We're talking about one of the biggest stories for our region of 2023 for our year-end wrap-up with the River Reporter. When we come back, more discussion about the housing issue. Welcome back to the local edition, news and information. We're keeping you connected. I'm Jason Dole. We're talking about one of the biggest stories of 2023 
and something in our area that's continuing, going to continue to be a big story as we move into 2024. That's the housing issue. At one point, being described as a housing crisis, even in Sullivan County. And before we get into this next portion of our conversation, I do want to remind listeners that uh, earlier this year in July, we did a special report. We hired investigative journalists to look into housing issues. And one of the first things that journalists discovered was that uh, Sullivan County is showing some of the highest eviction rates in New York State, uh, especially once you get out of the New York City metropolitan area. So out of upstate counties, uh, Sullivan County has some of the highest eviction rates. And that story is called Sullivan County has seen a spike in evictions. And it was posted on July 17th, and it's up at WJFFRadio.org. If you missed that, I invite you to listen to it. But I do want you to keep that in mind as we return to our guest, Ruby Rayner, who's also looking at these issues. And, uh, yeah, Ruby, we sent uh, we sent Phoebe uh, Taylor-Volo out to do reporting, and that's one of the first things that she came back with is just looking at uh, eviction rates across New York State and saying, hey, you know, this is actually a, a major problem in, in Sullivan County. Definitely. Just to give like a very, I feel like, stark fact about it, last year Sullivan County's eviction rate surpassed most other counties. So out of all 62 New York counties in 2022, um, Sullivan County had the sixth highest eviction rate. Wow. And with 8.3% of renter households evicted that year, that's like a really high number of a total number. 8.3% of renter households were evicted. So it's definitely a huge issue. And I think when you talk to um, different organizations in the county who are working with people affected by eviction, um, like the Catholic Church or SALT, um, a lot of people will tell you that it's tied to also the mental health crises, which I know we've discussed on WJFF and in general. Um, people are dealing with mental health issues, which oftentimes can affect their ability to um, continue sustained employment or aren't necessarily receiving the help that they need in order to have stable lives. And that oftentimes can trickle down into the ability to pay for housing coupled with inflation and these other pressures like increases in rents that we've talked about really culminates in these higher evictions. Well, and along those lines, I want to pause right now and just roll in some audio that we have from one of those people who are on the ground actually working with SALT that you just mentioned, which is Sullivan Allies leading together. Uh, but Martin Colavito has been driving around uh, regularly helping deliver meals in conjunction with SALT and Cornell Cooperative Extension and other uh, food programs trying to keep people fed. So he's been really keeping an eye on communities. He was featured in that uh, audio feature, the investigative report we did in July. But I just spoke to him about a a week or so ago, and he said that, you know, in addition to their regular food deliveries, they also do emergency food deliveries. If somebody's run out of food and they can't wait for the next regular uh, delivery, the regular rounds that he's doing, and he said that those calls have gone up, he estimates, about tenfold in the last few months. And I asked him, what what does that say to you? He said, well, it says that people don't have food. But then he started talking along the lines of what you were saying about why they might not have food and what that means. Let's just listen to uh, Martin Colavito here. You know, people talk to me about hunger. People talk to me about homelessness. Everything's related. 
it, it's an ugly system, right? So you can't address homelessness unless you address hunger. You can't address hunger unless, unless you address the displacement of people, you know, the development that's going on through the county that's, that's displacing people. You can't, you know, address that unless you address mental health and substance use disorder. So what we try to do culturally is we try to put Band-Aids by addressing one thing at a time. But, you know, we have to have a more blanketed approach to things. There's somebody who's on the ground, you know, seeing this is essentially the face of this housing crisis and this rise in evictions. What do you think of that? Yeah, I just, I couldn't agree more from from our own reporting um if you also just separately in reporting about mental health in Sullivan County the resources um over the past 10 years just in terms of medical resources for mental health um have decreased just facility wise there were psych wards that closed so there's there's definitely a connection between all of these different things and also just opioid use disorder that we we have a really high number of in, in the county. And they're all connected and they're not isolated and definitely feed off of, of one another, which is why I think taking a moment to try to understand how all of these different pressures and factors um, influence one another is really important to understanding the housing crisis. And one of the things that, that Marty said in that interview is as he's watching, you know, people were living in a house. Now they're not. He's seeing people being in a, evicted. The, the logical question is then where are these folks going? So ha, have you seen or heard about an increase in homelessness in our area? Yeah. So I know that there's the county still has a agreement with the Knights Inn to house people who don't have housing, um, and that's still going on. Um, I'm not sure exactly, and maybe something for um, right now that we're working on reporting on is, is where are people living, and is there an increased need because of these evictions? Um, and there's, there's a warming center, especially in the winter months. It's just it's cold and it's that per, that offers like just another danger. Um, and the warning center is only open from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. So there's 10 hours where if you're houseless, you are, you know, trying to figure out how to stay warm. And that's definitely a reality for a lot of these people where there's just one final straw and there's a lot of these different pressures and then they're, they're facing eviction and then, houselessness yeah the warming centers that's that's shelter that's not housing but the the exactly. fact that as we talk about what how are we dealing with homelessness in our area that's one of the things that pops up shows you uh both you know what's being done and then conversely how little is being done if you got to point to you know warming centers as being part of the frontline response yeah, and the Stabilization Center, which deals with mental health crises, is another um, project that the county is hoping to move forward in. And again, it's not necessarily, um, you know, long-term housing or um, an increase in government subsidies for housing vouchers, which is another thing that is a potential avenue for um, help, is increasing the amount of money 
that the government gives in these vouchers for people who are struggling with housing, because right now they're just the price of what they're offering is not high enough to cover the increase in rent. Um, that's another another avenue, definitely, I think that hopefully will be looked at. And, you know, on the journalistic side on in reporting this, how do you feel, given this reporting, uh, about the, the term housing crisis? Are we in a housing crisis or is that not really for you to say? I mean, I, I don't think that I can definitively say, but I feel like every single way I look, um, there's an issue that's directly related to housing and is influencing housing and you can't ignore that and i heard some of the folks on the ground would use the term housing crisis i've seen it turn up in other people's reporting but i did not hear it from any officials in until in sullivan county there was that brief uh period uh in the spring when some of the migrants and refugees were being bussed up from New York City to some of that temporary housing, like at Knights Inn in Sullivan County. That's when we heard from Sullivan County officials actually use the term, well, we've got a housing crisis here. And they, they actually, like you, use the term, but I hadn't heard it before then, and I'm not too sure that I've heard it since. Yeah, definitely something to keep an eye out for is how are officials categorizing these issues that are very apparent um, and kind of gives us a clue as to the level of care and time that they're spending on hopefully trying to mitigate and solve them. As we move into 2024, I know I'm already making plans uh, that we're going to continue to stay on this and, and even uh, do more interviews, especially as I hear more people and more officials actually starting to address this. What are you going to be watching for? Do you have any plans of how you're going to approach this? Yeah, I think one thing in particular that we slightly touched upon is for investigating where these evictions are increasing is what is happening after. Um, what government programs are being worked on to try to rehouse these people and what programs can be created in order to prevent the evictions from happening in the first place. Um, I think also understanding what has led to that final eviction is really important to understanding the final, you know, straw that might have caused somebody to no longer have a home. Right. Cause this is not a simple issue. It's a complicated issue. And, you know, you need to look at the bigger picture as we approach this as a community. Yeah. Well, Ruby Rayner, I want to thank you so much for giving us a look back on one of the biggest local stories of the past year, uh, this this housing issue. Uh, and uh, thanks so much for going over all this with us. Yeah, thanks so much, Jason. And, of course, have a happy new year. You too. Okay, well, our year-end wrap-ups continue tomorrow on the local edition when I talk with Philip Pantuso of the Times Union and go over his top stories of the year and on Friday, Patricio Rabio returns with Chris Rowley of the Shongunk Journal. Also be listening for year-end editions of Radio Chatskill with Tim Bruno tomorrow morning and Friday morning at 10. And after all of that, we actually have one more year-end wrap-up Saturday morning, and it's a special one. 
I've teamed up with Rosie Starr of Farm and Country to produce an hour-long special about the difficult year that local farmers had, specifically due to unpredictable temperatures and extreme weather events. And we talked to a lot of local farmers, uh, growers, purveyors of agribusiness for this uh, hour-long feature. And I just wanted to play you a little sample of some of what folks had to say right now. It was probably one of the strangest seasons we've ever seen. We had a huge sort of revenue hit due to weekend after weekend of rainy weather in September into October. You couldn't get the hay in when it was ready. There was so much rain, it was impossible to get that hay in. We had days where it was not ideal to work how thick the smoke was. And then in the end, because of these hardships... The product that you make has less nutrient value. No precipitation from March until 4th of July. And then when it opened up, it rained till pretty much last week. It was more than a frost. It was two days of freeze, and uh, it wiped our crop completely out. We're all at the mercy of the weather, whether it's rain or severe wind, tornadoes, thunderstorms, or drought. Farmers are at the mercy of the, of the weather, pure and simple. Okay, just a sample of local farmers talking about the year that they had in 2023. The full hour-long edition of those comments will be on air, debuting Saturday morning at 10. Special feature called Hard Harvest. That's Hard Harvest from Farm and Country in the local edition Saturday morning at 10. Don't want to miss it. For now, that's it for the local edition. I want to thank you so much for listening. Do keep listening on air, online at wjffradio.org. Ask your smartphone, your smart device just to play Radio Catskill. Coming up at 7, it's the New Year's edition of Retro Cocktail Hour, if you can believe it. The New Year's edition of Retro Cocktail Hour is coming up at 7 tonight. But before that, we've got the latest headline from NPR and The Daily. Hi there, I'm Jason Tudor, host of The Mixtape on WJFF. The holidays are upon us, and a new year is on the way. From all of us here at WJFF, Thank you for listening. Have a safe and festive holiday season and a happy new year.